Hi, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Live from Pawnee. I'm Alan, and with me is my co-host, Mark. Mark, how are you this wonderful day? Alan, I am fantastic, buddy. I do wish spring would try a little bit harder to come out. It's getting darn cold again. That's the wrong direction. Yeah, we, we just had Mother's Day, and uh, normally I think we're used to slightly, well, not slightly, quite a bit better weather here in the Midwest, and we definitely didn't have it this year. Yeah, we need a little bit less snow in May. That's what I think. Mom deserves better. That's all I'm saying. I completely agree. Ugh. All right. Well, you want to get into this episode, Mark? I am so ready. It's almost <laughs> painful. Let's do it. This week's episode is Woman of the Year from Season 2, Episode 17. And it uh, first aired yeah. on March 4th of 2010. This episode was written by Norm Hiscock and directed by Jason Walner. And Mark, if I'm not mistaken, I believe we've talked about both of these guys before. Yep, I think you are correct, Alan. Yeah, Norm is uh, Kids in the Hall, King of the Hill, Corner Gas, and another uh, Upright Citizens Brigade uh, alum. This he, he directed 10 total episodes of Parks and Rec, and this is his third. And then Jason Walner, the director, uh, probably most recently known for Borat's subsequent movie film, which, uh, if, if nothing else, best title ever. Yes, yeah. I completely agree. And I, I believe he did three total episodes. And you know what? Another show I should mention, this is his second episode of Parks and Rec, by the way. Uh, a show of his I really liked was Last Man on Earth. Did you ever get a chance to see that? Oh, yeah. Uh, it has uh, Will Forte. Yeah, it was a TBS show. Yep. And of course, yep. they, they they like a lot of things that start with T, TNT, uh, they, they canceled it way, way too early. And you know which mm. TNT reference I'm coming to here, don't you? Yeah, I do. Adventures of Briscoe County Jr. I'm just going to say, you know, maybe that's our next podcast, Mark. Let's go find all the one hit wonder seasons, Briscoe (laughs) County, Firefly, and we'll just do basically a podcast where we go through the the one hit wonders. You know, that's not a bad idea. We can do that after late to the party. I think there's something there. I think you're right. (laughs) Well, Mark, are you going to uh, give us a couple of, I, I believe you call them synopsis? No, Alan, we, we've discussed this several times. You're an English major. Um, it's synopsises. Ah, there it is. I, I assumed you were an English major, right? No, no. No. Telecom okay. and theater minor. Okay. English. All right. So I have <laughs> as uh, as uh, the synopsises here, uh, I know you like it when I break down the, the, into all the stories. Um, I, I prefer you have, break dance, but if you're going to do anything else, break down the stories. Yes. That that's a separate podcast, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> um, <clears throat> which you do not want to listen to or see um, viewers no. at home. All right. Locked on so YouTube. I have the, the a story as uh, you know, Alan, I think I'm funny. So here are my titles uh, for these. Uh, Constantine they, told me that. I, he's a genius, that guy. I love Constantine. I wish he wouldn't onion so much, but I just use that as a verb. That's funny. Um, so the A story I have is titled uh, Woman of the Year, Take It Like a Man. <laughs> and uh, yeah, see, I'm, I'm getting there. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. All right. When the department receives a letter from the Indiana Organization of Women, or IOW, <laughs> Leslie thinks she is being given the Woman of the Year Award, the coveted Dorothy Everton Smythe Female Empowerment Award, or Mm. Desphia. That doesn't work so well. All right. No, not so well. Imagine her surprise, Alan, when the letter indicates the award is actually going to Ron Swanson. 
Now, in private, Ron acknowledges the award is a ridiculous mistake, He but he pretends it's a big honor and brags about it to kind of uh, tweak Leslie's nose, feeling she is oh, too yeah. concerned with all this stuff, you know, fully yeah. intending to later recommend her as the rightful award recipient. Uh, in a surprise twist, they find out the IOW has purposefully chosen a man for marketing purposes. What will happen? Who will actually get the award? Will Leslie end up strangling Ron? Stay tuned to find out, <laughs> dot, dot, dot. Very nice. All right. So the B story, Alan, you know, whenever I want to to uh, summon uh, uh, some sort of, uh, you know, creativity. Uh, no, oh. no, 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 no. That's oh. a separate podcast. It Not actually, again. It's incorporated with the breakdancing, believe it or not. Um, <laughs> whenever I, I want to, uh, you know, summon creativity, you know, Alan, I always go to William Shakespeare. Um, and so. Yeah. Are you copy a creative person? Yeah. I, that, yeah, that's, that's true as well. So I entitled <laughs> the B story, snake hole, snake hole, my kingdom for a snake hole. Oh my God. There you go. I, I like it. I wasn't expecting Shakespeare today. Well, I'm pleasantly surprised. Well, I'm a I'm a multifaceted uh, person. Okay, uh -huh. so this is uh, dropping off a temporary liquor license renewal at the Snake Hole Lounge nightclub. The owner Fred tells Tom they are seeking investors for ten thousand dollars a share. Tom's longtime dream has been owning a club, so he jumps at the chance, even though he only has four thousand dollars. So. To make up the difference, Tom seeks assistance from several people, including Donna and Jerry, Mark, and the fast-talking John Ralphio. Will anybody help out Tom? Will Tom ever own his own club? Only time will tell, dot, dot, dot. Very nice. And I'm assuming you had a C story as well this week. I did have a C story. And this, I, I could have gone either way on this, and I went the way of having a C story. And <clears throat> I, um, you know, my first two titles obviously are genius, Alan. So this sure. one is maybe I, I, I ran out of creative energy. So I, I drew upon something I did in the past. This is so bad. So I called the C story, <sighs> I called it Moving Out Andothes Song. <laughs> <laughs> Huh? See, I, I I see what you're doing this week. Uh huh. I keep going. Just keep going. Okay, it's brilliant. I know. Um, all right. So this one is uh, Andy Dwyer. Alan has been living rent free at the home of Burley, his mouse rat, uh, or formerly mouse rat bandmate. However, Burley yeah. politely but firmly tells Andy he needs to change his living habits or move out. This leads April to help Andy look for an apartment of his own. They see several possibilities, including a fairly affordable one within close proximity. Uh, will Andy get his own place? Will April and Andy carpool? Will Andy ever realize April is way into him? Fear not, true believers. All will be revealed, dot, dot, dot. Very nice. All right. Well, let's do our AKAs and then we'll get into the breakdown of this episode. So, so Mark... Um, you know, I, I I decided because of some feedback we got that, you know, especially since we kind of give the storylines their own titles now, that we wouldn't dwell on AKAs quite as much as we have in the past. Um, but I, I was compelled, like you, somewhat to, I guess, give one per storyline. So uh, should I give those now? You should absolutely give those now. Now, we should tell yeah. the, uh, the the viewers at home, we don't share AKAs. So we could no. have overlap here. It could be dangerous. 
We could go right ahead. So I'm going to start with the the, uh, the basically the smallest, less complex storyline, which is storyline C. Okay, uh, as you pointed out, you know this is April helping Andy find a place. Um, there's a point where you know he's Andy's going to make this decision, and he decides he's maybe going to use the money for something else, an investment, and he, he's uh, basically defending himself to April and says. I'm an investor now. I'm like Warren Buffet. Warren Buffet, that great investor. I love it. So I love that. I just had a picture of Andy standing next to some sort of smorgasbord. Yeah. Made me laugh. Mm. Yeah. From the B storyline, and this is the one basically where Tom is, you know, trying to mogul up. Um, <laughs> Tom says, why is it so hard to become a mogul? All I want in life is to own my own nightclub on every continent, have my own line of upscale sweatsuits and a cologne called Tommy Fresh. <laughs> that's not a big dream. I, personally, I don't feel like that's asking too much. No, I agree. He should get it. And then finally, Mark, for the A story. Um <laughs> As you kind of have alluded to, and I know we're going to get into it more in a minute, you know, Ron really uses this opportunity to uh, to just mercilessly, uh, you know, really just dig into Leslie oh, to, yeah. to get her gall. Yeah. And uh, and at one point she questions his attitude about it not being that of an award winner. <laughs> he says, Leslie, everything I do is the attitude of an award winner because I've won an award. You can't argue with that logic. It is solid. It's unassailable. Yeah. 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 That that will be a T-shirt. It will be in our merch store at some point. I've, I'm committed to that now. Oh, I think that you're onto something. I, I think we should get Constantine yeah. on that. I, I really agree. All right, Mark, how'd you do on AKAs? Well, you know, I, I had 17, but I heard yours and, and yours are so good that I yeah. thought I'm going to limit myself to just one. Fair. All right. And I was afraid that maybe you were going to going to, you know, overlap with me here because mine yeah. also is from the A story. It's also uh, having to do with Ron, as I said, kind of tweaking Leslie's nose about all this. And yeah. it's Ron purposefully uh, misnames stuff to get Leslie's gall. Things <laughs> that are important to Leslie, he will call something else as if he just doesn't care enough to remember what the heck it is. Yeah, And per going. perhaps the epitome of this is when he describes, um, you know, the, the the award that he's he's won, which is the Dorothy Everton Smythe Female Empowerment Award. He says, you know, yes, Leslie, I have won the Dorothy Every Time Smurf Girl Trophy for Excellence in Female Stuff. <laughs> <laughs> which is just outstanding and oh she's just sitting there seething she's so mad i love she's it she's so angry mm -hmm. oh yeah i i think that may be another excellent t-shirt impression we'll have to look at that i agree <laughs> all right well very nice job on those mark let's uh let's do this let's get into the episode breakdown and uh take it from there all right sounds like a plan well, we uh, we open up with the cold open. This is a, a little bit of a change because we've had a series of plot relevant ones. This one is actually uh, non plot relevant. So let's let's get into the meat of it. So the the cold open is about a minute long, a little bit less. We open on a soccer field and we see Lisa and Winston, uh, two coaches, arguing over whose team should get to play. Leslie tries to intervene and clear things up, but embarrasses herself as she mistakenly, this is what you were alluding to, she mistakenly yeah. assumes that Winston, uh, the man, 
is the boys coach and uh, Lisa, the woman, is the girls coach, which is not correct. And also assumes a child with long hair is a girl who's really a boy. <laughs> um, the coaches, coaches call her out for being sexist. LOL. Uh, and it ends with Leslie giving the field to the boys, but promising the girls a place to practice by the end of the week. And that was our cold open. Our plot relevant or not, we'll both agree that that was the cold open. It's a semi-relevant plot. Fair, fair enough. Hmm. Well, from there, we move uh, into the bullpen and, you know, Donna arrives and she's got the mail and Leslie realizes that she may have received an important piece of mail this week. <laughs> we, we see a little bit of a, of a PBJ uh, moment yeah. here because at the beginning, Jerry's eating lunch, which I think includes some sort of soup. And yeah, yeah. As, like you said, Donna came in, carried the mail and she just kind of kind of throws it down the table and spills Jerry's lunch. <laughs> April says, Jerry, you jerk. <laughs> you got your soup all over. So anyway, sorry, I just had to mention that. Very funny. Um, yeah, Leslie sees the envelope from the Indiana organization of them, their women, uh, and it assumes that she's been named Women of, woman of the Year. Um, yeah. And only to find out that, uh, as we said, uh, it's instead been given to Ron. Now, Ron kind of comes out to join the gang as they're kind of revealing this. And he finds it out kind of like at the same moment we are. But immediately he picks up on it and starts playing it up, acting like he's he's very proud of this accomplishment, uh, you know, right. really just to tease Leslie, who, again, feels like she cares way too much about crap like this. So, well, I, I don't think it's out of the realm of, of understanding that Leslie would assume that this was coming to her. I mean, it is the woman of the year award. And after all, she has been a dues paying member since she was nine years old. Since she was nine years old. That's exactly right. So, yeah, it wasn't an unreasonable <laughs> assumption. But, you know, she didn't count on Ron being such a strong contender. No, no, we no one saw that coming. <laughs> <laughs> well, from here, we jump into our B storyline and Tom arrives at the snake hole lounge and he's he's apparently done Fred or Freddie, the owner uh, of the, the club, some sort of favor. But he doesn't want anything in return, of course. No, no, not at all. Um, he tells Freddie at the, the owner of the snake hole lounge uh, that he got his temporary liquor license renewal, which Freddie appreciates very much. And then he <laughs> he says it got got it got, <laughs> I think got. It's a little confusing. Just a tad tad. Um, so tad. Freddie reveals to Tom that they are looking for investors. As we mentioned, the share is going for $10,000 each. Tom, whose dream is opening his own club Ugh. one day, calls that yeah. chump change and immediately pounces on the deal. Although, to me, judging by the look on his face when he leaves, he may not exactly know where all of it's going to come from. You know, Mark, this was one of my favorite Tom talking heads <laughs> about how he just has this dream of opening his club one day. And he's thought of some names like Club of Dub Dub. <laughs> which, <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of wish he go, would go with. Uh, but it winds up with a, a final selection of or Tom's Bistro because mm -hmm. the word Bistro is classy as beep. <laughs> yeah. So a little bit of foreshadowing there. I also like, I have to mention the other one, uh, the, the Club Marine. Yes. It's not bad. It, I mean, it, you have to think for a minute to go, oh, he that rhymes with submarine or the sandwich, I suppose. But it's not bad. Yeah. It's no rub-a-dub-dub. -dub. No, no, no. Few things are. I've already done the logo for that in Photoshop, and it's amazing. You know, our merch shop. I mean, shop, Constantine has. Our, yeah. <laughs> our merch <laughs> shop is exploding. It really yeah. is. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> 
I will buy the club of dub dub shirt myself. Oh, uh, I'll buy the hat. You'll buy the hat. Yeah. Very nice. It may be the only thing that fits. I <laughs> maybe. <laughs> well, following this scene at the snake hole. Well, following this scene at the snake hole lounge, we're back at the the we're back at the park's office, and I think we're in Mark's office here. And Leslie and Mark are, are having a lunch, and they are having some sort of discussion. Yeah, the, Leslie is clearly. Um, what's the good word agitated pissed Piss, that's a great word is pissed is the good word there uh about the injustice uh of ron getting the award you know and well the audacity of it and she's uh she's trying she tells mark she's listed uh, she there's several extreme responses that she could take they all seem like really good ideas sure. um Mark tries to cut through the Leslie Hayes that he's apparently used to and and just suggests that she simply talk to Ron. Um, it, it just so happens at that point, Mark gets a phone call from Ann. Um, Leslie commandeers Mark's phone and just snatches it out of his hands and says, Ann, I need to talk to you and walks right off, which is <laughs> pretty funny and classic Leslie. It, it, to me, it's really kind of crazy that he would suggest something so direct as talking to Ron when she could clearly do things like, you know, uh, lock herself in her office and scream until she loses her voice. Yep. Or, you know, especially write an email to Barack Obama, who had, was president at the time and would have clearly fixed this problem. That's what I would have done. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Well, following the scene, we're, we're in the bullpen and Joan Ralphio arrives, apparently at Tom's request, and uh, they're going to walk in Tom's office and have a chat, but not before we see some classic John Ralphio. Oh, my gosh. They, they have a great little, uh, you know, they always come up with a new way to greet each other that just astounds me that I, I can't even do justice describing. But um, <laughs> well, do. should we play the clip? Well, they can see the clip, right? I think they can. They are viewers. They are viewers. <laughs> well, why don't you set it up for us? Good point. Well, so John Ralphio comes in. Tom, we see John Ralphio coming into the bullpen. And Tom leaves his office to go into the bullpen to greet him. This is in front of April, who is kind of disgusted at all this showmanship. <laughs> and it, it's like they they kind of hug each other. And then they do this. <laughs> <laughs> where, where it's like this whispering sound and they're like they're brushing lint off of each other's shoulders in, or in, in a high yeah. speed or dandruff, I suppose, um, <laughs> or, or scads of money, I guess, that just happened to rest there on their shoulders. Um, yes. Which is <laughs> just it fell out of the money tree. Weird as hell, but very funny. Um, yeah. So it is, Tom ushers John Ralphio into his office and, um, you know, tells him about this uh, offer, uh, you know, asks if he wants to go in with him for a share uh, on the, for the snake hole lounge. And apparently John Ralphio is flush with cash. Um, <laughs> since, <clears throat> since his grandpa flash just passed away. Um, Tom says, tells John Ralphio, you can only come up with 4,000. He expects he's going to, you know, kick in the other six, but he can only give five. So, Tom's a little frustrated, but says, all right, all right, you know, I'll take care of it. I'll, you know, I'll get the other thousand from somewhere. Um, it's very funny. The scene ends with John Ralphio just kind of leaning over and propositioning April, who's right outside the door. Like, hey, you want to come home with me? <laughs> she says, don't you work at Lady Foot Locker? <laughs> oh, my God. That's the best. Yeah. Well, from here, we're at the shoeshine stand and Burley is having a conversation with Andy. I think, you know, Andy might need to make a few changes. 
Yeah, you know, Andy's been living with his his mouse rat, uh, I guess formerly mouse rat band member Burley. Um, he's been living at his place rent free. And uh, Burley is obviously very fond of Andy, but politely and firmly tells him, look, you, you need to shape up or, or move out. You know, you need to change some of your habits. Um, Andy's frustrated at this turn of events and, and, and vents to April, mentioning that maybe he should get his own place. And April kind of jumps at this and offers to help him. And Andy's just astounded and so grateful. And he says, April, you're like an angel with no wings to which she says oh so like a person <laughs> like, oh yep God. nailed it you know i i don't think burley's all that unreasonable because apparently you know andy's lamenting you know um you know some of the scorn that he's gotten from burley lately like you know that's another working fireplace andy and <laughs> stop writing phone messages on the wall andy and Dude, seriously, you have to stop digging that weird hole in the backyard. Andy. I, I, I personally like that he wanted to cease the experiment involving the bag of smells. But look, it's about to finally produce results, yeah, Mark. Right. I know. I know. I love it. I love it. Bag of smells. <laughs> I think that Milton Bradley bought the rights to that, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it, it's the the lesser known uh, game that uh, got eclipsed, I think, by Parcheesi. <laughs> Well, following that scene, we're in Ron's office and Ron's apparently giving audience to Leslie at her request. But there's some other stuff going on here, too. Yeah. Leslie walks in and sees Ron scribbling something on an envelope that he quickly puts away as if he doesn't really want her to see what he's doing. And, you know, anyway, she goes, OK, whatever. Um, and she, she just tries talking to Ron, actually, as if she listened to Mark. And and says, wow. look, the the IOW has made us made a mistake. You know that, and, and that the award should actually be going to me, uh, especially because they mentioned uh, Leslie's camp project, Camp Athena, which Ron mistakenly calls Camp Zena, <laughs> uh, which you know he was really close. He's so close. And uh, Ron masterfully continues to tweak tweak her nose, as I call it, by playing this up, acting like he's. He's proud of and deserves the award. One of his lines that I love is, is, you know, he gets up to, to comfort her geez, and says, well, Leslie, <laughs> Leslie, you deserve an award. Not this one, obviously. This one belongs to me, but some other one, some other lesser award. <laughs> and she, he's just giving it to her. And she leaves. And, and the moment she leaves, Ron, Ron, who is usually so stoic and you don't see him yeah. emote much. He has the silliest, goofiest uh, grin on his face. I love it. Yeah, he, he's uh, he's really enjoying this moment for sure. Oh, my gosh. Absolutely. Well, our, our buddy Ian, or a.k.a. Winston, I think his name is actually Ian Winston, um, arrives at Leslie's office. We met him in the cold open. And he's back to see that Leslie's taking care of this promise to get some time for the girls team, I think. Yeah, this is a, a fairly short scene, but yeah, he just wants some resolution. Leslie's frustrated because, you know, I don't think she's been able to produce any results yet. And she looks over at Ron and mm -hmm. you can kind of see through their office windows. You can kind of see at least the, the torso of each other, you know, throughout the office. And she sees Ron's just like playing with a basketball at his desk. And I think she has a moment of, of revengeful inspiration and tells yes. Winston to go, you know what? You should go talk to Ron, the award-winning public servant. <laughs> She's bad. Oh, yeah. Well, he, he brought it upon himself. Yup. He sure did. 
I love the the talking head ending that sequence there <laughs> where she says, look, if you don't get credit for doing your work, why bother doing it? But then she does the Leslie and says, because I love it. Yeah, I know. She kind of got hoisted by her own Picard. She did. Yeah, she did. But that's the essence of Leslie. Right it there. really is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in the next scene, I think we start off with a kind of a weird voiceover talking head of Tom and he's passing something out around the office. Yeah, he is. He still needs to 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 come up with the the difference of a thousand dollars that that he and John right. Ralphio together are short. So he's handing out these VIP cards, um, either giving them <laughs> to people or leaving on people's keyboards or whatever, and and basically inviting them to an investment opportunity. Uh, Alan later that day, uh, where multi-purpose room F, F when not E no F. F for fancy. When 3 p.m. Dress code, black tie optional, just like life. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Well, I think following that scene, we're in Ron's office. And, you know, if he's been giving her, uh, you know, kind of... uh, Pulling on her nose. Is that what you called it? Uh, no, nose, you tweaking call it? her nose. Nose tweaking. Tweaking her nose. Yeah. They're nose tweaking. Yeah. If he's been tweaking her nose, he's about to double down. Yeah. Yeah. He's not waiting for her to come to him. He just, he's summoning her in. And, <laughs> and she comes in and, and, and he's, he's kind of dressed up. I mean, for him. And, and he's yeah. pretending to have his pictures taken, telling her, I'm doing my official portrait for the IUD awards dinner program. (laughs) No, IOW. So she's mad from the get go. She's already mad. And she's like, what, what do you need? And Ron apparently needs her opinion. Which of these objects most represents women for this portrait, a pot (laughs) or this deputy director, Barbie, isn't it adorable? She got a little briefcase in her cell phone. To, I'm going to help my boss win an award. <laughs> he is just getting more and more angry. She she does ask him what happened with uh, Winston. You know, she says, well, what happened with the the, the conflict with the soccer teams going? Did you, did you take care of that? Huh? And you're like, nope. Pass the buck to Donna. And that's where I think you're AKA. She's like, that's not really the attitude I would expect from an award winner. Everything I do is the attitude of an award winner because I've won an award. <laughs> and Leslie is just so mad. You could almost take her anger and spread it on pancakes. It's so thick. Oh, oh it's good. Well, you know, it's hard to argue with post hoc ergo proctor hoc. You know, that's what I always say. I said that very thing the other day. <laughs> That's a West Wing reference, Mark, in case you didn't know. Because yeah. there are so many things about this show that remind me of the West Wing. But, you know, I thought this 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 ribbing Ron has been doing of Leslie is just so funny. I found it interesting in the, the director's commentary that Mike Schur talked about that they made very – they were very specifically careful to set up Ron's – talking head early where he tells the audience and lets us in on the fact that he knows he doesn't deserve this award and Leslie does and she's earned it but he's going to have some fun and make her really uh, pay attention to the fact that she wants it a little too much Um, and I think that was a smart move otherwise you probably would have went wow some of this stuff's a little over the top well yeah I mean he you he the audience should know his motivation early on and I think they we do you know otherwise I think he'd be perceived as quite a jerk yeah 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 
Well, after this, we're back at the shoeshine stand and April's hanging out with Andy and she's got her laptop out and she looks like she's maybe done some web searching for him. Yeah, she's searching on the web and Andy, I think, is shining her shoes while she's sitting there doing searching for him. And, and we see a second person. There's two seats there at the shoeshine stand and we see a second person eh, kind of background. I guess they're waiting. He's waiting his turn. Um, and, you know, April tells Andy about a couple of cool places and, and Andy gets a little excited at, at the prospect and says, you know what, why don't we just go ahead and, and take off right now and, and check them out? And she's like, yeah, you want to? Yeah. So they kind of get excited and they get up, pack up and Andy, there's like a little closed uh, chain that apparently that he can put over his shoeshine stand to tell people, you know, sure. that no one's there on account if no one's there. And what he doesn't realize is that the second person, or maybe he doesn't care, is still seated. So he just puts the chain right over him. So now he's closed too. <laughs> he's kind of caught there by the chain. Uh, I was surprised they didn't save that uh, little, you know, punching bag uh, moment for Kyle. Kyle. Yep. Yeah. I thought the but same they thing. They did not. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in the next scene, we're in the illustrious multi-purpose room F, not E, nope. uh, which is the, the less fancy of the two, as Mark already pointed out. And, you know, Tom's gathered his investment whales in the room here and is about to get his pitch on. Yeah, you know, this is a really well done scene. And, and I don't know that I can do it a lot of justice because there's a lot of visual flash to this. But basically, Mark and Donna and Jerry, like you said, arrived at his VIP meeting in multi-purpose room F. And his sales pitch includes flashing lights and disco balls oh, and, and live dancing girls, like one on either side of the, of the projector screen. And, you know... To, to me, as per usual, this is all sizzle, no steak, which is very up, up Tom's alley. You know, he, he doesn't give a whole lot of details, just a lot of flash. And uh, I think that they're all a bit stunned at the presentation. But, I mean, he's doing a good job. He's getting their attention. Do you want to play this clip or do yeah. you think it's going to translate? Let's let's play it. Well, Mark, why don't we play that clip? You know what? That's a great idea. Let's do that. Thank you all so much for joining me today. I have two questions for you. One, are you ready for the investment opportunity of a lifetime? And two, do any of you have pacemakers or a history of epilepsy? Yes, both. Anybody? No? Both. All right. <laughs> Ladies! Jay-Z, Rihanna, Audrina Patridge, John Gosselin, Lady Gaga, Snooki. Are these real people? Cash Warren and Dennis Rodman. These are just a few of the celebrities that wish they could invest in Pawnee's hottest club. But they can't! And you can for the small price of only one, one, one thousand, thousand, thousand dollars, 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 dollars. The only question is, who's gonna be my partner? Mark, I'm talking to you. Donna, I'm talking to you. Jerry, I'm talking to you. Mark, I'm talking to you. Oh, that's the best. I do particularly like in his presentation at one point, he has on there a thousand dollar bill with his yeah. picture as the yeah. president, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Leader of the something. Yeah. yeah. He, he clearly, uh, you know, maybe a some sort of violation from the U.S. Mint. I'm not positive about that, though. <laughs> of the lawyers look at that. Are you saying that's not legal tender? <laughs> maybe not. Mm. Maybe not. 
No, I love that scene. Uh, actually, if you look at the deleted scenes, um, you can actually, the, he's projecting up this kind of little slideshow he's made, you know, with all these animations and these fake celebrities that, you know, are pseudo celebrities that, you know, would love to have this investment opportunity, but they've been denied. Yeah. Um, there's actually that what he plays on the screen is available as a standalone piece of media as a deleted scene. It's terrific. Oh, yeah, I saw that. That was all very yeah. funny. Yeah. Yeah. If, uh, if we can, uh, speaking of lawyers, if we can get around them. We might put that up on the, on the website, but yeah, good stuff. Well, in the next scene, we're back in Leslie's office. And at first glance, it looks to be, you know, kind of a disillusioned Leslie kind of clearing out her desk and is she quitting, uh, but then eh, she's not taking everything. See, I agree with you. When we first see the scene, it looks like she's taking all of her awards. And my thought is, oh, she's so disillusioned at this crap that she now believes awards mean nothing. So that's what I thought was initially happening. But then a few seconds later, we see Leslie storm into Ron's office with her pretty impressive collection of awards yes. and certificates, et cetera. And she shoves him in his face and says, you know, hey, this is why I deserve the award. What do you have? And he replies with mock seriousness, my AKA, why I have the Dorothy every time Smurf girl trophy for excellence in female stuff. And I think, I think had he let this go on, she was going to snap. Like she's yeah. right there at the teetering point. Oh, and yeah. so she, he, he's pushed her to the edge. Know. Oh yeah. 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 Masterfully. I might add. So he holds yes. up his hand and he hands her the uh, envelope from earlier that we saw him kind of put away and it contains a sheet of paper reading i ron swanson recognize that leslie nope should have received the iow award for all the hard work she has done especially for the camp athena project however in my opinion she is far too concerned with institutional gratification so i'm going to let her dangle in order to show her that awards are bullcrap i don't know they use the word crap but we'll use that yeah. Sure. Um, and, and so, you know, this is kind of a wisdom of Ron moment, like kind of is a, a teaching moment for Leslie in a sense, I think. And she even admits, you know what? You're right. I get it. But this particular one means a lot. You know, the, the, the yeah. Dorothy Smurf woman, it, it was a trailblazing <laughs> feminist. Uh, and, you know, First woman in Pawnee to wear pants on a Sunday, I think. Uh, yeah, and she spent so 20 years in she, jail for that. <laughs> she knows she's <laughs> not supposed to care about crap like that. But this particular one means a lot. And I think we see Ron kind of soften a little bit. Like he can tell this yeah. really means a lot to her. It's not just any award to Leslie. I think that becomes clear. And up to this point, you weren't sure. Right, right. Exactly. Yeah, Absolutely. Well, Andy and April are meeting with the realtor in our next scene. And, you know, it looks like one of Pawnee's many finest apartment options. I believe it's called the Carlisle Grand. The Carlisle Grand, indeed. Um, yes. So Andy seems to like it quite a bit. And well, it's got amazing bathroom acoustics. Oh, my gosh. And he can definitely see himself doing something over there. So <laughs> sold. Per se. Per se, your honor, um, <laughs> but, you know, it doesn't seem too bad and it seems close ish to what Andy can afford. Maybe just a little bit over um, just a little. and April is excited that Andy likes it. You know, she mentions, by the way, hey, I, I live close by. Maybe we could uh, maybe we could carpool to work or something. 
which he thinks is amazing. So, yeah. you know. Well, that screaming that was in his head just got louder. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I don't know if he needs to see someone about that or not. <laughs> I think that's what gives him his mouse rat lyrics, quite frankly. So, I mean, this looks like kind of a promising, you know, live living prospect. And regarding April, good God, I don't know how much clear Andy needs things. <sighs> I mean, seriously, no. she is she is so into him and he is so oblivious. They actually did talk about that on the director's commentary. They kept going. It's funny because it's a giant group of people all watching this episode. So it's a fun, it's another one of those commentaries that's fun to listen to uh, because it's got all these great people in it, but you don't learn a lot just because there are too many people in the sure. room. But they're all yelling at the screen going, come on, Andy. I know. Like they just, they just come on, get it. Yeah. They're, yeah. they're exactly where we are at this point. Oh, how frustrating. Well, back at the investor presentation in multi-purpose room F, mm-hmm. uh, Tom is finally, you know, asking his question, his investors to, you know, show him the money. Yep. He's, he's closing now. He, he's a closer. Yeah, he's a, always be closing. Yeah. ABC, baby. So he's asking for money. Well, we find out Jerry needs to check in for anything over 25 bucks with his wife. So Tom boots <laughs> Boy, him. can I relate. Bomb. <laughs> Tom boots him the hell out. Um despite being promised by Tom that he would never have to beg for sex again, Mark says that this really isn't his thing and leaves. Although I will add uh, he not before Cindy, one of the two dancers says goodbye to him uh, indicating she clearly knows him from some time in the past when he was more Brandanowitzy. Yeah. I love the I love the subtle reminder that Mark was once upon a time, a player, a player. Yes. Player. Yeah. So this leaves Donna who, likes the snake hole lounge but before handing out the cash she wants to know who she's doing business with and so she asked to meet with john ralphio she wants to meet his boy that's right well back at the parks office we're in leslie's office and the iow representative has arrived to discuss ron's concerns about this obvious mistake in this uh, award presentation yeah we see april escorting uh, a woman who we come to know whose name is elise yarkton great names Uh, yeah, from right. from the IOW into Ron's office. And Leslie's in there too. Leslie's kind of seated to the side. And Ron tells Elise that this was obviously a mistake and the award should go to Leslie. Elise assures him that it was not a mistake. They decided to give it to a man on purpose. I think her, her quote here is, every year we give it to a woman and frankly, nobody cares. You mm-hmm. say, yeah, but the, the media has all but written us off as a niche interest group. But if you give a woman's award to a mustachioed masculine man, such as yourself, well then eventually people take notice. Ron says, I don't want the damn thing. Elise says, well, we're giving it to you. So you're going to take it like a man. Like a man. <laughs> so congratulations, <laughs> leaves. Oh, my God. (laughs) Oh, that is so good. I love this talking head with Leslie next where she says, you know what? The IOW is a bunch of sexist jerks who need to take it, who need to get back in the kitchen where they belong (laughs) and leave the real feminist work to actual feminists like Ron Swanson. Uh, Oh, my God. What is happening? What's happening? Yeah. Up and down, left is right. (laughs) Cats and dogs living together. Mass hysteria. That talking head may have made the whole episode worth it. So, <laughs> well, in the next scene, we're uh, we're in Ron's office, and you know, Ron, Ron is reminding Leslie here of how unimportant awards actually are in the grand scheme of things. Yes, 
she's clearly Leslie is very angry at the IOW's marketing ploy, you know, and Ron assures her that it's ridiculous. He's going to decline it. But Leslie says, no, 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 no. You need to accept it. You need to get up there and then skewer them with a nasty speech that I'm going to help write. And so they're kind of scheming together now. I love it. Well, we quickly go from that and John Ralphio has now finally showed up and he's about to meet Donna and oh boy. So, yeah, John Ralphio meets a uh, multi-commission purpose room F. Um, and uh, he, you know, as per usual, John Ralphio, the fast talker, he, he tries to dazzle Donna in his typical silly, over-the-top, overblown way that Tom loves, only to find oh, that yeah. Donna hates it. He, she can't stand him, and Donna is out. So she leaves, and... And Tom, you see Tom kind of deflate, like he leans back in his chair and sighs, you know, kind of like he feels like his dreams have been crushed. Yeah, you know, it's um, <clears throat> John Ralphio is such, <laughs> he's such a character. He's so good. Just, I just love it. Uh, but, uh, and, and my favorite part of that whole, t- that whole scene was when, you know, Donna doesn't even do him the justice of saying, I don't like you. She looks right at Tom and goes, I hate that guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like he's not even there. Yeah, like you're not even human. The, the thing in uh, front of me is the thing I hate. Yep, that is the best. Well, Ron now has arrived at the uh, IOW Awards pre-show. I think for some sort of meet and greet, and he's accompanied by Leslie, and they're pretty quickly greeted by Miss Yarkton. Yes, great name. Um, yeah, it, it's also noteworthy just because it was kind of funny to me that we see that the this year's IOW Awards Banquet <laughs> is being held at the Pawnee Super Suites. I love it. Come here for all your banquet needs. Um, and yeah, so they're greeted by Elise and and uh, Elise welcomes Ron and gives him a packet, blah, blah, blah. And she guides him to a meet and greet before the awards. But she very clearly stops Leslie from joining them, saying, this area is for award winners only. <laughs> and this kind of cheesed Leslie off a little bit, but Ron, you know, helps her focus, like get, just get work on the speech. We're going to nail these women pauses. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah. Leslie is so disgusted and, and her, as much as we loved Ron teasing Leslie in this episode, I loved Leslie's different levels of disgust with Ron and Elise and the whole premise. Yeah, she's being very disheartened by all this. She really is. Well, back at the shoeshine booth, Tom is getting a shine and commiserating, you know, this oh-so-close call with moguldom with Andy. Yeah, Andy shining Tom's shoes, uh, almost like a bartender listening to people's problems, you know, and, and Tom's venting to him. I, you know, Mark, I think you're exactly right. The shoeshine booth has become kind of the cheers bar of the Parks and Rec Department. Yep. Well, actually, of the whole of really the whole building, but especially those in Parks and Rec. Yep. And Andy yeah. is a very uh, silly, deranged Sam Malone. <laughs> or Woody Harrelson. Maybe that's or a coach or maybe some kind of, kind of Combo, mishmash yeah. of all those. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, yeah. Tom's venting to, to Andy and, you know, while getting his shoe shined and it's like I lost my dream. And so Andy's listening to him. And, and, and as Tom puts it, according to Tom, that he fell a mere thousand dollars short of having his dreams come true. Andy hears this and he just it's remarkable. He just very innocently and just straightforward says, well, I have a thousand dollars. You can have it. 
you know, and, and Tom's like, are you, are you kidding me? And then Andy's quote here is, uh, I'm a, I'm a singer songwriter. The two lines I've put into every song I've ever sang, spread your wings and fly and you deserve to be a champion. If you're telling me that all you need is a thousand dollars to do your dreams and I want you to have it. And Tom is beyond ecstatic. Wow. Like he just hugs Andy. And this is really, this is good stuff. This is a sweet yeah. moment. I mean, it's uh, you know, Andy is, I think being totally genuine here, you know, he's, he, he sees this opportunity for, you know, what is not a It's a big amount of money for Andy, but I think he knows it's also not a big enough amount to do something really big. So, you know, why not help his friend here? He's only a thousand dollars short of his lifelong dream. I, I absolutely agree. And, you know, I just have to make the point. I know I've said this before in different you know podcast episodes, but I, I love this version of Andy. I like it where yeah. he's not, you know, hacking away maliciously at people <laughs> or, or trying in vain to win Anne back. I yeah. really hope that that craps over this is just good-natured <laughs> fun-loving sweet andy i like this version yeah you know the the quote you read mark i'm glad you brought it up the the two things in every song he's ever sung spread your wings and fly and you deserve to be a champion are indeed truly in every original mouse rat song so um we're going to deep dive into that one of these episodes maybe in some sort <laughs> of spotlight because that's going to be fun that's a fantastic idea i love it yeah i love it yep well, we're back at the the Pawnee Super Suites. I think we've moved into the banquet room and Elise is in the microphone and she's about to introduce the new woman of the year. Yeah, she is up on stage. She introduces Ron as the award winner. Ron gets up, goes on stage, accepts the award, takes out Leslie's speech and he starts reading it and then he pauses and we never saw the speech, but I believe we've been led to this point to believe it's going to be pretty scathing, right? Oh, my gosh. It's going to dismantle everyone at the IOW. I mean, she's just yeah. like she's going in guns blazing. Right. Like, I think at one point, Ron asked her to not pull her punches. She's like, I, I'm going to push my punches. Like, like she's <laughs> she's mad. So, yeah, we are we are just prepared for this to be horrible. Yeah. Um, and we can't wait. So, so Ron takes out Leslie's speech and he starts reading it. But before he gets to a point in the speech where it's obvious it's going to be scathing, he pauses, he thinks for a minute, and we see him put it away. And instead of delivering this scathing speech Leslie wrote for him, he instead, I think, tries to turn this into a nice productive moment by telling everyone that he is actually going to present this year's dotty English whatever award <laughs> to the person who actually deserves it, Leslie Nope. Come on up here, Leslie, which is really sweet. And Leslie goes on stage to kind of weak applause because I don't know that everyone is following what the heck is going on no. here. And she, and she tells everyone she is very fortunate to work for someone as insightful and kind as my boss. So I would like to present this award back to him. And now you have like only a smattering of like crowd. Everyone's going, what the hell is happening? And so Ron and Leslie start arguing like, I don't want the damn thing. Well, you take it. No, I don't want it. It's so <laughs> the, neither one wants it. The audience eventually starts shouting for them to get off the stage. Get a love hecklers. Oh, I love it. Statler and Wardor, <laughs> just saying my favorite. Um, That's right. They they do get off the stage and we see a photographer take a picture of both Ron and Leslie with the award. And it ends with a really nice Ron talking head. So he's holding his traditional Swanson drink because, you know, those Swansons yeah. have a preternatural resistance to alcohol there. Whew. And he says, this is really sweet. He says, I still think awards are stupid. 
but they'd be less stupid if they went to the right people, which he then, yeah. you know, dots the period there by consuming the entire drink in one gulp. I also had the, and I, I also love the line, thought it was really a great way to wrap up the core episode, the core of the episode. But um, I'm pretty certain that that wasn't Ron's first drink tonight. I think you're probably right. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great quote, but he slurred it a little more than you did. <laughs> yes, he did. <laughs> Well, the action continues. It's the next day. We're back at the parks office and we start off with April and Andy who have, uh, I believe, you know, April's just learning that Andy uh, has this new investment portfolio. <laughs> he's like Warren Buffet. Um, yeah, he, he's telling April what happened with Tom and yeah. and April is stunned and and uh, I think a little bit disappointed, at least at first, saying it would have been, yeah. been really nice for you to get your own place. And Andy says, yeah. I, you're right, but I feel like Tom really needed the money, and it's a small sacrifice to see one of your best friend's dreams come true. And you yeah. see a April gaze at him, and then she slowly smiles, which is pretty rare for her, and just kind of shakes her head like she thinks it's a really sweet, you know, thing that yeah. he did. Yeah, I think she likes him even more after that. You're right. She was yeah. initially kind of like, oh, what'd you do now? That was silly. But I think at the end, it, uh, it helped win her over even more if that was possible. Agreed. Yeah. Well, and then I think Leslie and Ron have a quick scene right after that, Mark. Yeah, they're they're in the bullpen. They they're talking about an article in the paper about the previous night's IOW awards. You know, right. apparently they crop Leslie out, whatever. <laughs> and then specifically they decide neither one wants the award. So they they carry it together. Both of them have a hand on it and they hold it over a trash can together count one two three drop they both let it drop into the trash they shake hands they walk away into their respective offices and then we see leslie come back a few seconds later grab it from the <laughs> trash and take it into her office because look it's an award and she really deserves it yeah i'm certain it, in leslie's garage at home next to that that beautiful you know uh craftsman style home that we saw earlier in the in the season mm -hmm. that that the dorothy everton Smythe award for smurfs or whatever <laughs> is hanging up in her garage <laughs> and the name Ronald Swanson has been scratched out with a screwdriver and Leslie has carved in Leslie. Nope. Yep. I think you're exactly right. I can envision that so clearly. Yeah, me too. Well, I think all that's left in this episode is the kicker and you know, the, the new four tenths of one share owner of the snake hole lounge, Tommy H has arrived uh, to enjoy the spoils of his investment as well. He should. He is yeah. he is part of a share of a club owner. And, and <laughs> so, yeah, we, we see Tom entering the snickle lounge. It's at night and the place is jumping and dance music is playing. And, and so like Tom's saying to the club patrons, like, what's up? Hey, guys, how long did you wait in line? I didn't wait at all. I'm a part owner. <laughs> he, you see him talk to Freddie. Freddie, I'm back. Uh, you see him talk to someone else, uh, other club patrons like, hey, Tom Haverford, part owner, let me know if you need anything. And then finally, we see uh, Freddie escorts him to a, a seat behind velvet ropes, like a section just for him, you know, and right. and, and Tom tells him, uh, keep this booth warm for me every night. I'm going to live in this booth. And he kind of just sits back and looks around smiling and he continues to look around and he sees Donna. In another velvet roped off booth with like three guys by her side. 
because she does very well, you know, and she, she does. She say, he says, Donna, what are you doing here? And she tells him, I, I bought three shares. Thanks for the tip. Like, Damn. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> end scene. End scene. And end of episode. Yep. End of episode. I love the Donna throwback reference there and, and you hit the nail on the head to sister city. Um, you know, we, <laughs> we, we see Donna vacation in it at, uh, what is his name? Yanni's house. Yeah. Yanni. Yanni's house. And, uh, you know, she does well. And, you know, there's this whole side of Donna that gets slowly revealed over the, the, the series arc. And I think this is probably our second insight into that. So it's a great, uh, great runner. Yeah. I'm glad they did that. All right, Mark. Well, you know what? Why don't we take a real quick break? And when we come back, we'll walk through a couple of the deleted scenes if we want to some first and some tropes, and then we'll score this thing and go home. All right. Sounds like a plan, sir. All right. We'll be right back, everybody. Are you a member of a group that needs a place to meet with accommodations for anywhere from 20 to 200 people? Would you like to be able to utilize a room named after a Pawnee celebrity, such as the Calamezzo Ballroom or Happily Hall? If so, then the Pawnee Super Suites Hotel slash Motel may be just what you need. Hello, this is Ron Swanson, located at 380 Drexel Avenue in Greater Pawnee, the Pawnee Super Suites provides reasonably priced accommodations with free, over-the-air, broadcast television, and beautiful views of Eastern Drexel Avenue. If you've been to the Super Suites before, don't let that stop you. I will now read an official prepared statement from the newest management team. Quote, for our overnight hotel and motel guests, we are happy to report that many of our exterior room doors can now, in fact, be successfully locked for privacy. Our cleaning staff may not be the friendliest, per se, but they almost always do their appointed job. Our pool now features such improvements as chlorine and security cameras, as required by law. Be sure to make use of our famous and wonderfully random wake-up calls. You never know who's going to call or when. For our corporate and conference clients, our meeting and banquet rooms have recently been upgraded with the most luxurious seating that $8 per chair could buy from Larry's Chair Emporium. Enjoy presentations from semi-famous regional celebrities over our almost state-of-the-art AV equipment in plush meeting rooms with delightfully unstable temperatures. Finally, enjoy eclectic cuisines from such exotic locales as Brazil, Indiana, Portland, Indiana, Alexandria, Indiana, and Lebanon, Indiana. With accoutrements like these, the Pawnee Super Suites has firmly established itself as a viable choice when you just need someplace good enough. End quote. Be sure to tell them Ron sent you and receive a free 13-ounce spray can of Bed Bugs Be Gone at check-in to use at your leisure and for no other reasons. Thank you. That is all. All right, everybody. Welcome back. Well, Mark, I thought real quick, we'll talk through a couple of the deleted scenes that I thought were kind of funny, if you don't mind, and then we can get into a few of the other things. Absolutely. What'd you like in there? 
Well, you know, there were nine scenes in all here um, and, you know, probably about four minutes and 58 seconds. You know, what I found interesting about the deleted scenes on this uh, particular episode was as much as anything, they were alternate takes. And there's, you know, some of those with John Ralphio and Tom, but there were also a few of those early on with kind of, you know, with Ron's, you know, slightly taunting evilness, um, <laughs> you know. So I think some episodes, it's it's just stuff that was literally deleted. This one's a little bit, I, I think if you get, if you have access to the DVDs, I recommend you watch them because there are some funny secondary and tertiary takes and you can kind of see why they chose the ones they did, but some of these were still pretty funny. I, I would agree with that. I think nearly all of them were, were seen extensions of something that you did see in the normal show, as opposed to a completely, you know, whole scene that they just removed. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I, I, in particular for me, some of my favorites here were, you know, the the Jean the Jean Ralphio and Tom. You know, they did that kind of freaky little, you know, uh, you know, dandruff dusting uh, greeting. Yep. Yeah, and then they they did at least I don't know four other versions of that here in these deleted <laughs> scenes. Yeah, <laughs> um, the Jean Ralphio, you know, uh, little flush with cash thing. Um, they did that four or five different ways, and then we of course find out, you know, that I think. He got like fifty thousand dollars from his his dead grandpa, who was apparently a dick. And uh -huh. Tom's like, you know, what about that? And he's like, dude, student loans. And uh, you know, they did three or four different takes on why how much he owes in student loans. Uh huh. Yep, I like that a lot. I, I I was a little surprised that they they went in so many directions with that. But you know, I think that the uh, the great Ben Schwartz, you know, he's someone kind of wow. like Assis. I'm sorry, you kind of wind him up and let him go. So how let can you go. not record that? Yeah. Yeah. I, I it, It's got to be hard if you're sitting in the editing booth to make those final decisions. But, you know, I think they made some good ones this episode. I would agree. Yeah. Well, should we move on to, to our, our tropes and our first and some fun facts? Absolutely. Let's do it. All right. Well, for me, I had a little bit of everything this week, Mark. I, I don't know. How did you wind up here? Anything in particular you want to start with? Um, I did very well with tropes and i had a few fun facts I, I didn't have any goofs and i actually couldn't come up with any first so i'm gonna let you no. kind of pull pull the team forward with that i know you rub your hands together um <clears throat> but I, i'll tell you what what tropes i had yeah so, let's start with those i'll pretend i'm smart there um i had uh i had punching bag jerry Yep. So I want to be specific here, though, for a reason. Uh, I, specifically, I'm thinking of where Tom is ignoring Jerry's information that he has a pacemaker slash history of <laughs> epilepsy and like ignores him. Oh, yeah, I have both. You know, and then he continues on yep. with his meeting. I'll call that definite punching bag, Jerry. Um, there's a similar, but I'm going to say different one that I'll let the judges decide. And I called it AVJ, April versus Jerry. It seems like we've had a mm. little bit, a little bit of, of, a, of an antagonistic uh, yeah. relationship, like more than just typical punching bag Jerry with April. It started when April got promoted to be Ron's assistant. Yep, I think you're exactly right. So, you know, April kind of has it out for him when Jerry, the jerk, gets his soup all over the mail. <laughs> um, Which clearly wasn't his fault. No. No, uh, I had a, now I have to make everything three letter acronyms. I have MRN mouse rat names because they changed the name to tackle shaft. They, I love it. Yep. And uh, 
I also had a, a, an instance of OMG. Uh, th- there were a lot of times when he was kind of stunned, but it wasn't quite the OMG, the open mouth grin right. I was used to. The one I'm thinking about is where he was uh, talking to Donna about uh, uh, the snake hole and she's kind of interested. And he's like, will that be cash or check? Bing. Open up the grin. <laughs> so um, did I he miss had any- a little bit of, the, no, I, I was just going to say he had a little bit of the OMG on the, the fake thousand dollar bill as well. <laughs> he sure did. That's a good call. Yeah. Uh, we will put that on the website. Did I miss any tropes? You know, the only other trope I had was just, you know, and you somewhat alluded to it, but just entrepreneur, Tom, this is not our mm. first peek at that, but I think we're now going to get into this season of of lots of different moves by Tom to become a mogul. And this is the first real big one. That's a good call. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I did, uh, while we did not have the trope, I noted the absence of the trope that I had started to track and really enjoy. And that was punching bag Kyle. Oh yeah. Yeah. I I felt a little robbed. I, I agree with you. It would have been perfect had they made the person that was chained into the shoe shine stand when it was closed to be Kyle. Yeah. And for some reason they yeah. didn't, who knows? Yeah. I'm guessing Kyle was a, uh, you know, a background actor on some other show that week. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. Um, on the, so that was it for me on tropes. I think on first, I, I said, this is the first instance of the snake hole lounge where we actually get to see it and be at it. I guess that's true, isn't it? Like we, it, it had been alluded to before. I think it's mentioned very briefly. Um, no real detail. You just know it's a bar in Pawnee. Now they give it life. It's got a logo. We're at the place. I mean, we meet Fred slash Freddie. Right. Um, you know, so it's, they, we're really, it's a thing now and it's going to be, it's going to become a feature for us. It's going to become a trope. Good call. Yeah. Uh, I also had a first for Fred and Freddie. Um, the first of, it, I call this a first in the sense that we now know what it is. We've been in the room before, but we now know it's called multi-purpose room F. I think in the past, I had always thought that it was the city manager Paul's kind of like conference room or something. But uh, this seems to be the place they have some of these ad hoc meetings occasionally. Is that right? See, I didn't make that connection. Huh. I, I'm 90% sure I will let the, we'll let the viewers tell us and Constantine can write in too and pretend he's a viewer. Cause I know he doesn't <laughs> actually watch our show, but no, or listen to it either. But uh, yeah. And then my last first was actually the, the mention of Tom's bistro, uh, which mm. again, we know is going to be a thing in the future. Foreshadowing alert. Yeah. Yeah. So I like that a lot. Good, good first. Um, I had, I didn't have any goofs. Um, do you have any I goofs? I got one. What, what's your goof? I had one. I'll call it a goof in the sense that I think it's semi not credible, but I I think I know what's going to happen here and it's already know it's going to make me angry. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so Donna and this this terrific ending of the show is, you know, she's, she's at the snake hole lounge. She's in her booth with this really interesting crew of folks smoking cigars. And, you know, thanks for the tip, Tom. She bought three shares, which we now know, you know, adds up to t- 10,000 a piece. So she's invested $30,000 mm-hmm. and yet, in camping trip, she mentions the fact that she's over her head. And that's uh, when talking about the Mercedes. See, in a weird way, that actually explains that to me. Because like for for a responsible person, you would go, oh, my goodness, you just you know invested $30,000. Ah. You must have responsibly have had that saved because it should in no way affect your livelihood. And I think for Donna, clearly her, her mentality, if we are to believe what she said, is like, 
Yeah. <laughs> I'm putting it on my I credit like card or whatever. Stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. See, I thought you were going to go a different direction mm. because the memory I had right after I typed this goof was, oh, crap. I think that was a deleted scene. <laughs> and it's not canon. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't a deleted scene, was it? I think it is. I think the part where somebody uh, she's somebody says, you know, how do you afford that? She said, and then she has the talking head where she says, it, you know, she's in over her head. I think that was a deleted oh scene. that one. You know what? Yeah, you're right. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So so as far as canon, you know, things with within the, the approved universe of Parks and Recreation, yeah. uh, we may not we have no reason to believe Donna doesn't have 30 grand in the bank. Right. But 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 we know we know. Yeah, we know. Yeah. What else did you have, Mark? I've only got one other thing to say here. Well, I, I you know, I, I was listing a, a few fun facts and a, a couple of them, I guess, weren't really fun facts as much as foreshadowing. And I think we talked about them both. One, one is the uh, Tom's we, Bistro. Yep. And the other one was um, where <laughs> where Ron misnames Camp Athena as Camp Zena because it's, yep. it's kind of like, I mean, loose, loose foreshadowing that, you know, he no, eventually- Lucy, uh, did, but I'm bunch. Wow. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> the comedy stylings <laughs> of Alan Piercy. Um, so, yeah, because yeah, he gets with a, a woman's uh, by the name of Diane, who's played by Lucy Lawless, who starred on Xena, who uh, was in Six Degrees with Kevin Bacon. So, yeah. Um, the, the only <laughs> other two things I had was, um, and actually, you mentioned one of them, so I maybe have one. <laughs> you, mentioned, you mentioned the one where, where Andy says that, you know, every mouse rat song has the lines, oh, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, spread your wings and fly. You deserve to be a champion. And I didn't know if the ones that we've heard in the past did. Maybe they do. But I think that every mouse rat song from this point forward, they definitely made a point to include mm. those words because of that. Um, in our deep dive, we'll have to discover that. I I, yeah. I know that typically you'll hear a, a snippet of a song, but not necessarily the, the whole, whole thing. Song. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a chance that they were already there. But I know you're right that at least going forward, at least. And the last fun fact, you know, Alan, when I'm not going to William Shakespeare for my inspiration for creativity, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, I, uh, as you are, are a big, uh, uh, you know, fan of Greek mythology. And so uh, and so my fun fact is that Leslie mentioned that Camp Athena was her brainchild. And uh, oh, in yeah. the Greek legends and Greek mythology, you know, Athena sprouted from Zeus's head, making her a literal brainchild. That's <laughs> wow. fun. Yeah. You got to wonder if the writers knew that already <laughs> and did it with that in mind. I'd like to believe they did. I agree. I agree. They're, they're, it's too much like Arrested Development. When there's something in there, it's yeah. just, it's too good to be a coincidence. I think you may be right about that. Absolutely. You know, Mark, the only other thing I was going to mention were our guest stars. I failed to do that in the summary, so I thought I'd do it real quick. You know, here we had Andy M Milder, uh, who played Fred. We had Ben Schwartz, the great Ben Schwartz, who played John Ralphio. Ian Roberts is back for his second time since the pilot, uh, playing, you know, coach Ian Wilson, Winston. Mm. And then uh, Mary Beth Monroe um, played Elise Yark. That's so hard for me to say. Mm. Um, and this is one of two appearances for that character as well. You know, I'm glad you mentioned that. I could not remember if Elise was a, a one and done. I, I could have gone either no. way on that. 
Okay. No, it's it's much later. Um, Ian's done now. He he's had his two, and we won't see him again. Uh, Ian Roberts uh, from Upright Citizens Brigade, and uh, yep. he, apparently he was one of the original founding members, along with Amy Poehler. So that's yep. how they know each other. But uh, you know, nope. Elise will be back one more time. Awesome. All right, Mark. Well, should we move into our scores? Yep. Let's score this sucker. All right. All right. Do who, who should go first here? I, I think constant. I mean, you should go first. Ah, uh, okay. Gotcha. All right. Even better. Why don't I go first? <laughs> Fair enough. But I'm bumped. All right. <clears throat> All right. Well, coming up with my score for this episode, my my very awesome rubric there. Um, yeah. You know, I, st- I, I always think about like the, the characters and how they did in the episode. So here's just a quick analysis of the characters for me. Leslie, I think we had great insight into her character, you know, that like I feel like Leslie can be darn near superhuman, which we've seen before. And she can be a nice, kind person to boot, but she still has a few flaws. And and I feel like this, the, the, the degree to which she was too invested in this, it made her seem a little bit more real. You know, yep. like I could I could empathize with her a little bit more while still allowing her to be a little bit zany. So I like that. For, for my boy, Ron, my man crush, oh my gosh, this was a fantastic freaking episode. Uh, I love his masterful tweaking of Leslie's nose, as I keep calling it. Uh, but there are also some really touching moments. So, I mean, I like that Ron kind of ran the gamut here, you know. Um, Tom, very Tom-bastic. Uh, g- good hustle on his part. I like to see Tom with this sort of drive. Uh, so, so good on him for that. Mark? You know, before I talk about Mark, I want to say Jerry and Donna were used a decent amount. And I like that. I like that they were a more part of this episode than they have been in the past, especially Donna, who you could argue was a little bit involved with one of the plots a little bit. True. Um, and with and with Jerry, some nice PBJ moments. Mark was was not used a lot, like less than Donna or Jerry to put that in perspective. But when Mark was on scene, he was reasonably funny. So, you know what? Thumbs up True. for that. Um, yeah. And not in this episode. I didn't really notice a whole lot. And I wonder if that was why Mark's role was a little bit downplayed because these yes. pairings that were kind of in at the moment. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I can. I completely agree. Um, Andy, I thought he had some really nice moments with both April and Tom. Uh, April, I had thought she had some great moments between her and Andy. How much more obvious does she need to make it, Alan? Oh, my God. (laughs) Um, So, okay. So, overall, I'm going to be a little bit biased here. I realize as this episode was somewhat Ron-centric, and I love me some Ron. um, But I, I also like Ron in this capacity where he plays both a foil and a mentor and, dare I say, a friend to Leslie, you know? Um, I thought they used most of their deep comedic bench really well with the obvious exception of Anne. Um, yep. not the episode. And, and actually by Anne not being there to, to be like Leslie's uh, support system, I feel like it kind of gave Ron the opportunity to be there for Leslie in a way. So like, I think they made good use of that. Um, I like it. In, in general, I thought when people were on screen, they were very effective. So they made good use of their time. And I'll, as always, I welcome at any time the return of uh, John Raffio, played by the great Ben Schwartz. Um, so my score, 
I'm going to give a 4.5 base score to this. Pretty high. I, I thought it had a good storyline. I thought it had some very nice plot advancements and it had several touching moments. So, so good on him for that. I'm going to give a bonus point, uh, a whole bonus point for uh, good writing and the use of most of the bench and excluded. So a point there. I'm going to give half a point for the return of Jean Ralphio, which I love. I'm going to give half a point for Tom's presentation pitch. And I, I found this so damn funny. I'm going to give two whole bonus points to Ron's masterful tweaking of Leslie's nose through all this and teasing her. I mean, he just, he riled her up in the perfect yeah. amount and he just about made her explode. And then he, he, he tiptoes back from the edge of the crevice and comes back. I thought it was yeah. masterfully done. So well you add up all those numbers and I am at 8.5 little Sebastians for this. I thought this was another solid episode. I thought it showed no, you know, parks and rec at this point doesn't really, in my opinion, show any real signs of slowing down. The, the universe itself in Parks and Rec, in my opinion, just keeps getting deeper and more enjoyable as just a place to hang out. So what you got? I love it. Well, I, I think, you know, the, the way you ended your thought there made me think, too, about this kind of upward hill, the second valley of season two that we're in and we're walking our way out of it, in my opinion. You know, I, I, I think your score last week was better than mine, but they were both lower for last week's episode. Um, but again, I feel like we're, we're getting better. And I say that to say that my score for this is not quite as generous as yours, but it's a lot better than last week's because I do see the the upward trend here. And I really liked this episode. I thought it was very funny. I, I would agree that there was really good use of the bench. You're right. Anne wasn't here. And that might've given us a little bit of extra screen time that we don't normally have. Um, you know, I love jaded Leslie. I just thought that was terrific. And uh, <laughs> it, like you said, it humanized her. And that was a, an important thing yeah. we hadn't had in a minute. Um, you know, devious Ron is about as funny as it gets, uh, but they saved, you know, that those heart say they also allowed him to have those heartfelt moments, which again kind of made it, you know, it humanized the whole interaction and made it real. These these people who respect each other and Ron respects Leslie, we know that at this point, and he had his fun, but then he reeled it in at the right time and you know, yep. let her know that he really thought she deserved it and it was kind of you know bogus that he had gotten it. Um. You know, Andy giving this money to to Tom, I think, again, like you said, it's the Andy we like and love. Um, we want more of that and less of, you know, pouty Andy. Um, You're right. April loves Andy. I don't know how else to say it. And he does not. <laughs> I, I think he's kind of starting to get it. He's got to be right. I mean, just repetition after repetition. I, I just I don't remember precisely when he finally has his aha moment with that. But I'm really looking forward to it. I can tell you that. I know. Oh, I've my seen gosh. That. I've seen an upcoming episode where he's going to take half a step backwards, though. I know it's going to happen. And I'm already disappointed. I've already taken a yeah. point away for that. <laughs> well, <laughs> from you, that you, episode. Talk, you talk about. You talk about a slow burn, right? They are definitely yeah. doing that with, with April and Andy. Yeah. Like we just like, yeah. we are so ready for this. We're, it's it's worse than Moonlighting, Mark. I don't know if you remember oh, that show. For sure. Bruce Willis, <laughs> Sybil Shepherd. Yeah. Instant yeah. immortality. Exactly. And then, you know, um, I, Mogul Tom. I love Mogul Tom. I, I look forward to more <laughs> Mogul Tom in the future. Um, you know, John Raphael, while not a regular cast member, he's eventually going to be closest thing Parks and Rec would have to a secondary cast member, you know, and I would agree. This is just still early days for him. Funny stuff. Jerry had a great 
uh, mention in the director's cut where apparently in the scene where Tom says, does anybody have a pacemaker or any problem? You know, (laughs) they shot a scene where because of all the strobing, Jerry actually collapses. I so, so wish we'd gotten to see that because I think that would have just really put the icing on the cake for me for uh, Jerry's involvement in this episode. That would have been hilarious. uh, Yeah. And then just having Donna in the foreground versus the background, I just so much appreciate. Yeah. Um, I I don't really have a reason, I guess, a really solid, super compelling reason why I'm not going to match your score, except to say that I know there's some funnier episodes about to come up at the end of season two, and I I might have saved a few points or half a point. So Hmm. I scored this one eight Little Sebastians, which I think is a very fair score. I think this is a very solid episode. And, you know, again, I think an eight is a really good score. It's going to take a lot for me to ever give out a 10. I'll tell you that. You know what? Uh, Solid reasoning as always. And I tell you that when I was coming up with my score, I was toggling between eight and eight and a half myself. And and I'll tell you something else. If I wasn't such a a Ron loving fan, I probably would have scored this at eight. But I thought his his scenes with Leslie were so freaking funny that that's what kind of put it over the top for me to give that extra half point. You know, I know you and I both do our prep separate and we, we, we've we never really talked about it very much, but I know we watch these shows multiple times in order to prepare for this broadcast. Um, so if you believe that and you like our show, thank you. If you have a hard time liking our show or believing what I just said because of that, um, then, you know, go honk Herman. But uh, <laughs> I, I only say that to tell you that I think if I watch it a few more times, I might finally get to your 8.5 because I think every time I watched it, I enjoyed it more and that's probably true with most episodes even if there are lower scores oh my gosh yeah i mean how many times have we said just you know the 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 process of looking at these shows these episodes critically i know have have made me appreciate oh, them yeah. so much more no doubt no doubt well mark i thought that was a really good uh, recap of this episode i'm looking forward to next week we're going to be back with episodes 18 of season two which is the possum <laughs> you gotta love some pawnee possums oh my gosh and uh, and the few of the episodes coming up after that, I'm really looking forward to. I know that we're about to have a big transition here at the end of season two. We'll talk a little bit more about that as we get closer to it. I know we're going to do a special spotlight episode related to that. And I'm looking forward to all those things. Yep, I, I completely agree with you. I mean, like like you said, there are so many good episodes that I know are coming up. When, when you say it, it, you're you're kind of saving points. I totally get why you're saying that because there are just some stellar, stellar shows. And I think somewhere along the line, we're going to get that 10. It's very possible. Yep. We'll see. Yep. All right, everybody. Thanks for joining this week. We look forward to talking to you next week. All right. Bye, everyone. Bye. Live from Pawnee is a copyrighted production of the creators. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved. Original music was created and performed by Aaron Emerson of Emerson Studios. Clips are used under fair use doctrine for the purpose of commentary and parody. Please see our website at livefrompony.com for more details or to contact us.